Hello and welcome to the last episode of the first season of the Wednesday show. A show where we talk about the design, development, marketing and business of digital products. Joining me is my co-host, co-founder and favorite CTO, Mac. Hello. Hey Mac. So before we start talking, I need to make a few announcements. Number 1, we're trying to be more consistent. You'll hear a lot more from us. We have been sporadic with this podcast. We're trying to change that. We've set a cadence and we've got a lot of exciting things coming. Number 2, we're starting a guest series. We're inviting people we know and admire to come and share their stories with us. We'll talk about design, development, building teams, product success, failures and a lot more. I'm super excited to have this season started. We've got a great lineup of people coming in and I can't wait to share their stories with you. All right man, that sounds great. So let's get into it. I want to talk to you about building a team. I haven't seen any agency that talks about or fusses about building teams as much as we do. We even have it in our tagline, small teams with a large impact. I want to tell the world why it's so important to us. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any agency that talks about teams as much as we do either. But it is the most important thing. And by the way, this is true for all startups. Any startup. um is trying to disrupt an existing space or vertical they're trying to do something new what they're doing doesn't exist and some of these startups are even trying to create new verticals or marketplaces that don't exist and they may be trying to do something new here but they do have competition there are people who are doing something similar or they're trying to address the vertical or the problem in a different manner right in the current landscape things are competitive and no, no matter what area you're working on you probably don't have the first mover advantage right. you could and that's great if you do but most likely you won't and even if you do there's like a close second the minute you find something there's someone who's going to do the same thing and there is going to be competition for sure so the way i think about building a team is that it's sort of like a moat around your business right. a good team could lead to the differentiator that your business needs right. we know that no one person can actually disrupt or change things especially in the current market if you are trying to change the status quo no one person can help you do that you need a team and let's sort of change things around so let's call this team the founding team this is a group of people that number one works well together they have the right skills and they can be the difference that your business needs in a competitive market that's quite interesting right so we said like let's call it a founding team and we're saying that that can be the difference between uh, or the difference that your business brings to the market uh, let's talk a little bit more about what a founding team should look like mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about like how that difference can be created yeah you know it better be small so i love this quote from jeff bezos that says no team should be larger than the number of people that can be adequately fed by two large pizzas and this is just such an amazing way to measure like the size of a a team the minute two pizzas can't feed them it's too big but m- more than that i think that you know a founding team should be such that there are no inhibitions that there is nothing stopping someone from doing something else so i think of them as 
specialized generalists Th those are two opposites that we've combined in a single phrase specialized generalist what does that even mean because it seems like you've got the best of both worlds because mm -hmm. a lot of people argue that you require specialization at certain stages and at other stages you require generalists mm -hmm. so what do you mean by specialized generalists what do you expect from them I, I am well aware of that debate. So I, I've, re I've read literature on this where people say that, you know, you need generalists at the start of your business and then as you grow, you need specialization and yada, yada, yada. And I'm all in for specialization. I think you should have specialization to capture more market share. You are going to need people who are extremely skilled in certain areas for you to be able to make a difference. But what I'm trying to say is that any role shouldn't be limited to the job responsibilities of that role. The minute you have a team where people start saying, this is not something that I look at, or this is not a part of my role, you do not have a founding team, right? And that can be a lot of inhibition. And I'm not looking at it from a lens of a person who's running a services company. I've done a product business before, and I'm also talking to people that are currently at different stages of growth in their journey. All of these people in some way or the other have made it. And the story is the same. People want outcome. And to get outcome, you need friction-free execution. That's what you need. And to get friction-free execution, you need a team that is not saying, this is not a part of my role. There have to be no inhibitions. If I were to summarize, right, um, from what you said, you require extreme specialization in something to be able to question the status quo, to be able to have that friction-free execution. Uh, but then at the same time, you also need to make sure that whatever comes along and you know it's right for the product, we take that up, no questions asked. Yeah. Let's take a few examples. We, we always keep talking about developers and, you know, you, you want a developer who is not just limited by a Jira ticket. That's true. <laughs> you know, he is asking questions in terms of why am I doing this? Who am I building for? What is the advantage of this? That's true. If there are things that are ambiguous in a ticket, he or she should be able to ask the questions to clear that ambiguity. He's not just going to wait. Right. And this is just a very simple example. It could be a lot bigger. You could have a product release that's coming up and right. things could be ambiguous there and your team is working beyond their roles to clear that ambiguity. Right. Without that, you would lead to a system where there is a lot of micromanagement and we know that micromanagement leads to very poor quality and outcome. Uh, I don't know if you've read The Technical Manager's Path by mm -hmm. Camille Fournier and uh, some of the things that she highlights that a team should possess are trust, yeah. extreme ownership, uh, communication, an extremely clear segregation of what are base responsibilities yeah. or base outcomes that we need to work towards. And guess what? These base responsibilities and outcomes, if your means is digital and maybe even not digital, are the same across yeah. all verticals and across all types of businesses. If you are doing something digital, all of the things that you mentioned, trust within the team, communication, you know, base responsibilities set. It's the same. That's true. I agree. And how does size tie into this? And why this doesn't work with large teams? Why you keep needing to go back and saying that, okay, we need a smaller team? So size is an outcome. You don't talk about size as 
the first metric. And I think this is a problem that I'm seeing right now where people have started to measure growth by the size of the team. So when I when I think about any problem that needs execution ability, there are two stages to it. The first stage is the planning stage, or let's just call it the thinking stage, which is what are we going to do? And then the second stage is implementation or execution, which is how are we going to do it? There is a stage before the what as well, which is the why, which is strategy, which is the founder's job. But I think by and large, the problem lies with the what and the how. These are more difficult to solve. And when you start thinking about if the why is defined, if the strategy is clear, saying this is what we want to do and why, the first thing that people start thinking about is execution. And when you start thinking about execution, it feels very overwhelming. And the first thing you do is start getting people. You throw people to solve the problem. You throw people at it. Yeah, like slinging mud at the wall, right? Whatever sticks, sticks. Yeah, and I love this quote by Andrew Grove. It says, the effort that you put into the start of the project provides a 10x return. And the effort that you put towards the end is a negative 10x return. And this is just such a brilliant way to think about the problems in execution. Just spend a little more time thinking about what and the project executes so much better. Correct. Like the analogy that I keep making, right, is you either set the course right or you keep course correcting. Most people who don't plan, plan well at least, end up having too much redundancy in the team. So now what's happened is that you've got three basic portions of this, right? You've got your planning, you've got your execution, and you've got coordination. Mm -hmm. If all three of these don't work hand in hand, you're going to have a problem on your hands. Yeah. Because they don't plan well, you're absolutely right. It leads to too much redundancy. Like, for example, my objective is to make a mobile app. I keep thinking about implementation. I go and hire five Android developers. Now I have overlapping roles. I have other issues that come with a bloated structure. There is management, there is coordination, and there's a lot of other problems that come with having overlapping roles, you know, like all kinds of things. We've seen this happen before. But if you plan well, if you plan right to the T, and as a result of your planning, what you get is requirements, for lack of a better word, saying that I need people with A, B, and C skill. Right. Right? That is the measure of the team size that you want. And in most cases, no matter how big the problem you're trying to solve, you'll realize that the outcome is a small team. You don't need a team that is large enough. You need a team that is adequate. Or sometimes you need a problem that is smaller. Yeah. I think if the problem is too big, larger than, you know, two pizzas, (laughs) solve it separately. Yeah, I completely agree. But that's really nice, right? We touched upon quite a few topics that are super important or close to our hearts at least about why small teams work, about what the founding team should look like. And I'm sure that a lot of people within the audience would be just starting out their journeys or looking at ways in which they can absorb what we've spoken about and build teams. Any words of advice for them? Well, we're still figuring it out. So (laughs) a few things that have worked well for us that I can speak for is, so I read this very interesting thing, which is called the KUA factor. So what KUA stands for, it's C-U-A, complex, uncertain, and ambiguous. And what it says is, if you're building a team, and if you have somebody new join your team, you want the core factor to be as low as possible. So you want 
as less complexity as possible, less uncertainty and very low ambiguity. And the reason for this is it helps them ease into their role. Now, how do you achieve that as you're thinking about building a team? You achieve this by building structure. So invest in creating a good onboarding and training program. Invest in creating a good buddy system. And if you are a product company, your buddy system could look completely different from what it would be for a services firm or even another company. Your customers want things the way that you are doing it. So it's very important to have that buddy program in line with what is important to your customer or your business. But do it in a manner which is structured. And the beauty about this is your core factor should be low at the start. But as people ease into their role, that core factor increases with time. So if someone's finished a year with you, they've spent enough time to know how you like things, how your customers like things. At that point, there could be ambiguity, there could be uncertainty, and there could be high complexity. And if you've hired well, and if you've actually created that founding team, they will be able to do well, right? So I think number one is, Build structure if you're building a team and and be patient. It is a long journey. It's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> and if your patience runs out, don't don't hire more people. Um, it, your problem will become worse. I also think that people talk a lot about cultural fits mm-hmm. and hiring for culture. And I want to touch upon what corporate culture is. Mm-hmm. For me, corporate culture is a group of people making the same decision or reacting in the same way given the same situation. So then the question becomes how do you create corporate culture? It's through routine. It's by having corporate routine similar to how you have a routine in your daily life that influences your habits, that influences your actions. You need to have company routine that could involve your your office hours, your happy hours, uh, but basically it involves somebody setting ground rules mm-hmm. or somebody setting a routine that the folks in the company follow that then influences their habits, that then influences their decision making mm-hmm. and that they incorporate only from their leader. So yeah. another thing that I've seen you do and you've spoken about a lot is being involved actively. I- couldn't agree more it's not just that people have habits organizations also have habits and uh, you need to be involved to create them and these could be different for different companies and like to a very large extent in today's world this is the differentiator if you want punctuality you should be punctual if you want quality you need to first start delivering quality If you want timely delivery, you also need to deliver on your timelines first, right? If you want results, you get results first, right? You can't expect people to do things that you don't. Brilliant advice if you're looking to build a team is figure out what's right for your business and start doing that first. That will lead to a culture that people will just automatically understand, replicate, and you will get results. But if you just think about the results without looking at what actions you need to take, it's not going to happen. And I think being involved is so important. It never changes with time. 
the problems that you're gonna face and this is true for any leader the problems that you're gonna face at every stage are gonna be different but they will be there and you will need to be involved to fix it sometimes the problems will recur even the ones that you fixed (laughs) and you will still need to be there and that's just the way that things are and I would also say that you know have fun you know like it is going to be a long journey so if you have fun um, and celebrate it with your team they will also start enjoying the wins that's true i think it's super important to enjoy the wins no matter how small uh, it gives people a reason to come together it gives people a good understanding of what's important what will be celebrated mm-hmm. right and it's very difficult to uh, have a good grasp on what should be celebrated on on setting vision on setting strategy if, if we're not involved mm-hmm. right i think uh, one of the best examples that i've seen or heard of uh, a leader being involved and i know as controversial as this is i still like to say it elon musk yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of people talk about how he doesn't have a teams and he doesn't know the integrity by of the day to day but this is the same person that's left under his table during factory shift rotations yeah. to inspire his people yeah he was living proof of that he would sleep on the table in the meeting room or something like that i don't remember exactly where but it was a place that people could see see yeah as they shifted rotations as a new batch of workers came into the factory they could see him and they could see that he was living proof of the work that needed to be done and i think that's one way of doing it <laughs> <laughs> but i think what's important from this anecdote is that he's still trying to build habits yeah like he's living proof that it's just never not going to be something that you need to not do you need to be involved he's still doing it yeah that's true but on that note this caller tonight it's been quite a heavy conversation <laughs> yeah uh, it's been a good conversation and it's good to talk about something that we have been trying to build for the past 2 years thanks so much guys for tuning in um like i mentioned in the beginning we're going to come back with a lot more stay tuned you'll be hearing a lot more from us we have an exciting lineup of guests and i'm super excited to talk to them one last thing before we end if you've liked this episode please share it with a few friends and help us spread the word thanks so Thank much you.